0: This is Gulf Coast Live Arts Edition from WGCU. I'm John Davis. Thanks for joining us. This fall marks the inaugural class of students embarking on two- and four-year post-secondary music certificate programs through the truly one-of-its-kind Southwest Florida Music Education Center. The center's unique mission involves providing comprehensive, world-class, and career-centered music education to neurodivergent students who might learn a little differently from neurotypicals. The Southwest Florida Music Education Center's curriculum was created in collaboration with the Berkeley Institute for Successible Arts Education. The Institute provides training for the Music Education Center's faculty with an approach that combines evidence based practices in arts education with evidence based practices in special education. At the Berkeley Institute, Dr. Rhoda Bernard has said, even though there is a comprehensive curriculum for students in these programs, it's not about teaching a curriculum, it's about teaching the people in the room and meeting students where they are. In early November, the Southwest Florida Music Education Center celebrated a ribbon-cutting event at a new campus at Artist Naples and the Tony Stable Education Building. This is a state-of-the-art facility but it's still just intended to be temporary. A permanent campus is in the works at a recently acquired more than 43,000-square-foot building that will include classroom space, practice rooms, a recording studio, and a performance stage, among other amenities. And that new campus is slated to be ready by the fall of 2024. Today's episode of Gulf Coast Life is being recorded on location at the center's current campus at Artists Naples, and I'm joined by the executive director of the Southwest Florida Music Education Center, Jennifer Clark, Clark is an experienced and celebrated leader in the region's nonprofit scene, including work with the Mendez Foundation in Tampa, Drug Free Collier, Mooring's Presbyterian Church, Valerie's House, and the Conservancy of Southwest Florida, among others. Jen Clark, thanks for taking the time to speak with me today.
1: Thank you so much, John. It's a delight to be with you.
0: And to engage with us and your fellow listeners about this conversation or any of our shows, find us on Facebook or at WGCU Public Media. On Twitter, or at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So, Jen, my association with the Center's founder and board chair, Rob Moher, has mostly been limited to his work as president of the Conservancy of Southwest Florida, So I was pleasantly surprised to see him taking on this role in furthering arts education. And with that in mind, can you tell me a little bit about the history of the Music Education Center and how Rob's own daughter was kind of the inspiration?
1: Absolutely, I'd be happy to. As you mentioned, Rob has been the CEO and president of the Conservancy for several years, and he is a very well-respected nonprofit leader in our community. But each of us wears many, many hats. And he is a father to an amazing daughter who learns differently than her typical peers. And so as she grew and excelled and as it became very obvious that music and playing the piano was really her heart song, he and his wife, Sandra, wondered what her life after high school would look like. And as they looked around here in Southwest Florida, they realized that there aren't many options. We often hear families mention that their students will graduate to their living room couch, Mm. that there are support systems in place up to about 21 years old. And then after that, those supports sort of fall off, and it's really up to the families to decide what the student, what the young adult is going to be capable of. And so Rob and Sandra sort of went on a nationwide search with EMEA to see what else might be available. Even though he had such deep roots here, we all know, any of us who are parents or have young people that we love, know that we would do anything to help them reach their full potential. And so they really started exploring would it require us leaving our beloved community to find something that would help our daughter be the best that she can be? And so as he looked around, he was able to do a full assessment of what was available And there really wasn't anything exactly like what they were looking for. And he, on his journey, met with Dr. Rhoda Bernard at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. It's actually recently renamed itself um, as the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. And they were able to strike up a great friendship talk a lot about the amazing things that Berkeley is doing through accessible arts education and reaching all different types of learners. And I think Rob was really inspired through that conversation. Right now, Berkeley offers weekend programming for neurodivergent individuals every Saturday, and they have people that drive in from all around the Boston area to make that happen. And I think that really planted a seed for the Moher family. And when they came back here and looked around and realized we have a very arts oriented community we are very fortunate to have a very philanthropic community and why on earth wouldn't we have something for our community members to share their personal gifts in arts and to better the community as a whole and so in 2019 he reached out to dr rhoda bernard at berkeley and said hey if I were interested in maybe starting something down here in Southwest Florida, what would you think about that? And she said something along the lines of, I think that would be amazing. And I I would actually be interested in helping you make that happen. And so that was the spark. That's what it really took to say, okay, this isn't just an idea. This really is something that with the expertise of our peers at Berkeley and the 15 plus years of experience that Dr. Rhoda Bernard has had in this area, it made it something that was not just an idea, but a real possibility. So In 2019 we started with the creative group which was an integrative program for both neurodivergent students and what we would call we really don't like this word but typical learners those who would represent the majority style learning that is most common in the public schools or typical university experiences or typical conservatory experiences and so They were able to really talk about what it would look like to start this part-time programming through the creative group and have an integrative approach for students to learn together in a shared setting. So we launched that pre-pandemic and generous space offered through Artist Naples, and they hit the ground running when the pandemic started we all knew that you know at that time everyone was adjusting and pivoting and so they moved that programming to virtual and their students pivoted with them and they were able to offer incredible opportunities virtually for composition songwriting improvisation performance and with those students during the pandemic they checked in once a week and created some really amazing music together and opened some doors that really sort of gave a glimpse into what was possible so when rob formed a relationship with dr rhoda bernard they came on as formal partners and we looked at all of the ways that we can work together and one of the most integral ways that they have helped create this program is through the creation of our first of its kind curriculum dr rhoda bernard assembled a team of experts to look at state and national standards and develop a curriculum that would change lives.
0: All right, and I just wanted to emphasize that with the creative group and everything achieved there, I mean, that was really a part-time program. And, and to be clear, what we're doing now, these are full-time, two-year and four-year music certificate programs, providing you know professional level music education. You're using curriculum materials from music colleges and conservatories as a basis So with that in mind, how is this different for the students than it would be for them in just a a more traditional collegiate music program?
1: So what we hear time and time again is that the traditional conservatory environment is very high stress, high paced, and because they're catering to larger groups, the individual is expected to meet the expectations with very little exception. And so it's hard for anyone to thrive in that environment, but especially individuals who may need a little extra time to process things, they may view things a little bit differently, they may have unique questions, Um, they may have high stress, high anxiety. Um, And so our curriculum is designed to be at an appropriate pace for students to learn at their own pace. And we're able to integrate life skills and mental health supports and flex time that they can use for their own purposes throughout the day so that it's individualized. And we also create a pathway, an individualized pathway for each and every student. So our team meets as soon as a student applies and we evaluate every facet of the student's experience up until their application and every part of what they hope to achieve to really decide are we able to meet their needs can we partner with them and their family to help them reach their goals and so through that process we really get to know them and we map out their individualized pathway and then we meet quarterly or at the very least once per semester with the individual and with the family to look at what supports they need again completely individualized a pathway looks different from student to student and so we meet with them to decide what supports they need to truly be successful Um, what are some things that we can be looking for in the student that help really unlock some of their um, their long-term goals some of the things that make them truly unique and some of the things that they're helping to grow and learn and enhance in their own abilities and with that amazing document as a team we set out to help them pave that pathway toward whatever future they have in mind
0: tell me a little bit more about the, the the scope of what is taught you've talked about the integrated approach but just with the music specifically it's music performance they're getting regular private lessons but also learning music history. And I know there's a big focus on technology, which I think makes a lot of sense, particularly given how career-driven this is really intended to be.
1: Yes, it's so interesting how dynamic the music industry is. So often people think, okay, if someone's a musician, that's one box they're gonna check, they're gonna be a performer, and they anticipate that being a really uphill battle. And so we really look at how multifaceted every, musician is, and how typically they'll have several interests. So our students choose an instrument of focus, but they're also able to choose an elective. And right now, all of our students have chosen a secondary instrument as their elective. And so they're focusing in on individual lessons three times per week with an instructor on their instrument of choice, their focus instrumentation. Mm. And then they have once a week elective music lessons through their choice um' secondary exactly. Yeah. And so it's been amazing to see that unfold. But throughout the process, it's wonderful to have a foundation of what makes music so special the history of music and how it's come to be is really empowering for them to understand how they can be a part of where music is going. And so that provides a great foundation for them. We have students who have strong interests in being a part of the music technology field. So when students graduate with either a two-year or four-year certificate, they will have a choice in the careers that they're able to pursue. Particularly students who are part of our four-year music certificates, they will be able to choose an area of study and through mentor and internship opportunities will really help them hone in on those skills. So someone may have an interest in creating video game music, for example, and that's actually a thriving career choice. Obviously, performance will be a common opportunity, but we hope that the skills that they acquire here are able to unlock any door that they knock upon. So it may be that they have several things that they're able to offer. And really, our idea is to just make sure that we're creating as much opportunity as we can.
0: Yeah, There, there was something, uh, some language on the nonprofit's website that really jumped out at me pertaining to helping the students here really learn to become effective at being their own advocates and giving the career centered nature of this that seems so important like you really can't underscore the importance of a neurodivergent person growing into adulthood moving into a professional setting and the importance of communicating what their needs are in a you know a neurotypical dominated society especially if you're talking about something that that is invisible. You know, it, it's not necessarily going to be an an obvious disability or difference when they walk into a room.
1: Definitely. What we always say is that what makes us unique is our superpower. All of us have things that are unique to us, ways that we operate, ways that we see the world, needs that we have, and truly the ability to advocate for yourself and know what you're quirks or your uniquities are is powerful in any setting and sometimes we are in a society in which we feel like the things that make us unique are things that make us excluded out from the group and we're afraid to voice those things in fear that we'll be judged for them and so part of what we work on is putting tools in our students toolboxes to understand that it's important no matter who you are to be able to state what your needs are If you can say things like, I thrive best in an environment where I, whatever it may be, that's powerful to future employers. That's powerful to your coworkers. That's powerful to everyone who is goal-oriented in making and creating a successful company or a successful venue or a successful record label. And so helping our students who may have been told no for most of their lives or that they were different in a bad way or left out of things that they really should have been a part of. Sometimes it's a little bit of reprogramming and how we all think to realize that it's not only safe to say what makes you different and advocate for yourself and really be open to those differences, but it's an asset to everyone and it provides freedom to others to be able to say, oh, me too, I would really benefit if we could turn the lights down a little bit and it wasn't so bright in a learning space or I could really benefit from a little bit of extra time to do a recording session because as a perfectionist, I wanna do it a couple times or whatever it may be. So our view with most of the things that we do you here at the center is that if it benefits one of our students it will likely benefit most of our students and if it benefits most of our students typically it would benefit almost everyone and so as we work on that with them it's also having a ripple effect to create a more compassionate community where we can all really share what we need.
0: Well, if you're just joining the show, we're on location at the Southwest Florida Music Education Center's state-of-the-art campus at Artist Naples, and learning all about the organization's work and mission during its inaugural class of music certificate program students with the center's executive director, Jen Clark. And again, if you'd like to comment on our conversation or engage with fellow listeners, find us on Facebook. We're at WGCU Public Media. And on Twitter, we're at WGCU. Use the hashtag GCL. So tell me a little about the enrollment process. Who would be an ideal student for either the two or four year music certificate program?
1: So when we are recruiting students, we're really thinking about students who have a base of music experience. Most of our students have had at least three years of experience in their main instrument of choice. And students who learn differently than their typical peers, who may not thrive in a traditional college setting, but who really have a passion for learning more about music and developing their skills. And so, Every student that we have is like a fingerprint. They're completely different. They're like a snowflake, if you will. There's no cookie cutter process in exactly who we're looking for. But being able to tap into experience that they want to build upon, a willingness to learn, an eagerness to learn, and a passion for really unlocking their full potential lets us know that we're on the right track.
0: Do you think that that interest in music, even if it's not something that they end up pursuing professionally at the end of the day, and and I'm not suggesting that anybody wouldn't, but just that that would be such a benefit for these students. I was in preparation for our conversation today reading about all this peer-reviewed research about the role music can play and the benefit it can have, particularly for neurodivergent thinkers or, or particularly kids on the autism spectrum when it comes to communication, improving cognition, socialization. It seems just like there would be a natural gravitation towards music almost.
1: Absolutely. We really define success at the end of this programming as much as we define the differences between each student. It will look different for every person. So as you said, you know, at the end of the programming, if a student receives a four-year certificate, they may decide that their success looks like just having this amazing talent that they can share with others within their family or their peer group or however they demonstrate it. They may not choose to make a career out of music. But it's time well spent to develop any skill or gift that you have, especially if it's attached to a passion and the supports that we have built in through the mental health focus that we have, part of that evaluation team to sort of go back to your previous question about the application process. We have a director of mental health who is fantastic. We have a director of music education who is incredible. And we meet together to really look at each part of a student's journey. And so we're really considering all parts of the individual. And so when we're looking at what the future holds for them, we're getting constant feedback from that person. It may change over their two to four years with us. And as I said, it will look different for each person. But the hope is that the music component and the expertise that Berkeley brings through that process, the curriculum that they have developed for us that is truly the first of its kind in the world will help unlock some of the individuality of each person and help them really identify what the next step in their life looks like.
0: All right. And when it comes to enrollment, is there an audition component to the process? I mean, because you really do want to make sure that the students you enroll are, are serious about this.
1: So through the process, we ask students to either do a live exposition of how they perform or to send in a recording or a video of their experience. So again, back to the individual and how we taper it, that looks different. Some of our students have no problem performing at the drop of a hat in a room of 500 people other students really struggle with that as most individuals do um, knowing that public speaking is the number one fear that's something that sometimes is hard to do and may keep individuals who are really really talented from enrolling in a program like ours and so we try to meet them where they are and say if you can show us a little bit of your work a little bit of where you are we can use that to then help create that pathway and so it's different for each person we're careful to never really say audition but to really have it be an exchange an exposition an opportunity to share so that we can get to know them more it's sort of a a conversation if you will
0: all right tell me a little bit about the inaugural class and How you'll be able to increase that capacity, both maybe for students and faculty, once you're in your permanent facility in the fall of 2024, hopefully.
1: Absolutely. So, we started this first class with three students. It's always funny to think back to your first ideas of how things will work and what it will look like. And we thought, oh, we could probably have five to eight students. And that seems perfectly reasonable. And as we set out and really realized, if we wanted to keep our word, if we wanted to, truly create an individualized pathway and be this world-class facility, the amount of time and attention that goes into each person's progress is so important, especially with the first class. And so three turned out to be the perfect number. We're able to get to know them, to let their abilities unfold, to help address any obstacles that they have in their way from reaching their full potential, work with them to really deconstruct and remove those obstacles. And so now, as I said, three is perfect. And really, we feel you know we're right at capacity. We're looking at potentially adding a fourth student in the spring and we know that each student that's added really contributes to the overall organizational culture and so it's important for us to think okay we have these students in place as we bring someone new in will they help our current students excel will they themselves excel with the current environment we have mm-hmm. and if not is it a better fit next year and so it's a really rolling evolving process and so we're intentional with how we grow because getting it right is so important we are very responsible we felt feel a great amount of accountability to our families and the trust that they've placed in us and seeing the students and how just very very special they are to know them is to love them. So we have a guitarist, a pianist, and a vocalist, and they each are exceptional. And watching them develop their talent is so cool. So when we get to next year, we'll look at en- enrolling probably three to five students in the next cohort. So growing a little bit more. And when we move to our long-term space, obviously we'll have a lot more room and we'll be able to continue to incrementally increase, but always really checking back with our team, checking back with our families, making sure needs are being met. It would be very easy and natural for some organizations to say, OK, more students equals more tuition equals more people getting the experience. And that's just really not how the formula works, that it really has to be us constantly checking back in to say, are we being true to our mission are we serving the individuals that we have? And until we can emphatically say yes for each and every person, then we know that it's not yet time to add on to that number of people that we're serving. So as we learn the curriculum, again, this being first of its kind, we have such an amazing relationship with our partners at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. And so we have conversations with them constantly about what we're seeing how we can adjust and taper and learning through the curriculum in real time as we make those adjustments next year some of the things that we've had to do this year will already be done and so we'll have higher capacity and each year we'll build in that way.
0: And the new campus and I hate to get so far ahead of myself. No you've... thank you
1: we're always thinking toward the future. <laughs> More, I know but you've
0: done so much to curate this space just I mean the amount of detail that's gone into everything that you've selected with the students in mind is, is really impressive. But but long range with the campus that won't open for another couple of years, you're looking to eventually have a, a dormitory there. Students will be able to live on the campus in some cases.
1: Yes, we feel a great responsibility knowing that we're the first of its kind in the world as far as we can tell. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, the Mohers, our founders, looked around the U.S. thinking of relocating their family and as we've talked to other families there are so many families just like them who know that their loved one is capable of great things and that they just don't currently have the resources to unlock their full potential and so we realize that as long as we still are the first of its kind or hopefully eventually, you know, the first of few and then we'll grow and continue to, to share our resources with others. But for now offering others the opportunity to move here and live on campus to experience this without having to relocate an entire family is really important. So we want it to be accessible to as many people as possible. It's been very reassuring to hear how many phone calls we've received from people asking when the dormitory will be ready because they want their students to come. I mean, from all over the U.S., it let us know that there's a great need. We have a family right now who actually, the family resided in Tampa prior to starting the school year and they come down during the week, Monday through Friday to attend school and then go back to Tampa on the weekend. And that's just you know a little over two hours distance but for families that are in other states, that's not an option. Right. And so we feel very honored to be offering this programming and we want it to be something that is not limited to just people in Southwest Florida, but truly someone from anywhere in the world that is aligned with our mission.
0: Yeah, I mean, are you seeing what, what folks like you and Rob Moore have done here as potentially a model for developing something similar in, in other parts of the country? Because I mean, if you just expressed Rob went looking and found a void and he's filled it here in Southwest Florida, but nobody else has that.
1: Right. I know. So in the short term, hopefully the dormitory will do that. But that's one of the incredible parts of our partnership with the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education is that their belief in our ability to launch this and to impact those around us is with the hope that other areas will see that this is possible and may be interested in opening a similar organization in their area. So as we are operating, especially at these foundational phases, we're taking lots of data. We are really doing a lot of trial and error. We're learning as we go in hopes that we can really share that with others who want to open those doors. Because no matter how large we grow, obviously there will be a capacity of how many students we can serve. And that's nowhere near the number of students that deserve to receive services like this. And so we would be honored to get to the point where we can share that with others, share the success stories that we've seen, and empower them to do it in other areas.
0: Are are you able to You know, forge partnerships with organizations that already exist here in Southwest Florida. I'm thinking of organizations like Family Initiative. I I understand there'd been some interest from the Bauer School of Music at Florida Gulf Coast University.
1: Truly. So as you know, we live in an amazing community. There are a lot of things that are being done here that are trailblazing. And having worked in nonprofit organizations for the majority of my career, you hear a lot about making sure that there isn't a duplication of services. So one of the things we did early on was say, is anyone else doing exactly this? And as I've said, No, but there are organizations that are very complementary to the things that we do. And so we reached out to other organizations and we have formal partnerships with some. We are very honored to have a formal partnership with Artist Naples and a formal partnership with FGCU in a very multifaceted way. But we also have informal partnerships or friendships with several organizations. We work closely with Collier County Public Schools and Lee County Public Schools, Each of their arts directors are on our advisory committee Mm -hmm. and they offer a, a wealth of information and help us get our information out to the teachers. Part of our partnership with Berkeley is offering free trainings to teachers so that they become more comfortable with working with neurodivergent musicians and that they are identifying gifts in students early and are able to really integrate them into an ensemble and make them feel a part of things and have students start hearing yes a whole. Sooner and I see you and you have great ability, and also really letting them know that this is an opportunity that exists for so many students. As I mentioned earlier, they are under the impression that once they graduate from high school, nothing really exists for them. So if we can help public school, private school, homeschool, music teachers know, hey, we're here. You can start letting students know early, hey, if you continue to hone in your skills, if you continue to develop your skill, there's an organization that exists that you can look forward to being a part of. And so other organizations in town, such as StarAbility, which we have so much respect for, and they do really great work. As you mentioned, Family Initiative, they've become friends of ours. We're such huge fans of the of the work that they do. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're incredible. They're incredible. I, if only I could clone myself, I would love to spend so much <laughs> time getting to know everyone more and figuring out ways that we can partner but um we keep in touch with other organizations as much as we can we stand in all of what other people accomplish and we know that we are stronger together. And so we're always looking for ways that are natural connection points, natural ways to enhance the things that we're doing and to serve the community as a whole. And so when we are able to identify that through formal partnerships and that just becomes so seamless because of ways that we're so obviously aligned, that's amazing. And we can sort of focus in on those things. But there's so much to be said for friendship and for collaboration in ways that I'll get a phone call from a local organization that says, hey, I see that you're doing this great thing. We're also doing this super cool thing. How about we figure out a way that our students can learn from each other or can we work together down the road? We're very open to that, especially with a small student body. There are ways that they can benefit from social aspects of other organizations that have students who may be similar in the way that they view the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to focus in a little more on on you and your involvement here. I mean, I'm guessing that your introduction might have been through Rob working together at the Conservancy. But as you've taken on this position, I mean, was this kind of a bit of a new world for you?
1: So I have worked in nonprofits for a long time. I dedicated myself to nonprofit very early in my career when I realized that there is nothing better than putting your head on the pillow at night knowing that you spent your day in service of others. My mom was a teacher. She taught me that very early. And so, yes, one of the roles that I have been able to hold here in Southwest Florida was with the Conservancy. That's where I first met Rob, and I made a lot of amazing friends on the development team there. And I went on to another great organization and had a great opportunity, but I knew about Rob starting the nonprofit for EMEA before I left the Conservancy. He had talked about that. I knew that it was in the works and I have always had great respect for him. And so I actually got a phone call from Rob saying, hey, Jen, do you remember that nonprofit that I had talked about that I was thinking about starting? And I said, of course, how's it going? I would love an update. And he said, well, I've been doing it in my free time because obviously the Conservancy is you know, my top priority, but I've been doing it in my free time and it has exceeded my free time. And I need <clears throat> someone to come <throat> alongside me and help really make this happen. And I would love if it was you. And so it was really out of the blue, but such an honor. And at first I thought, okay, let me do some research, let me see if it's not me, how I can maybe help, um, you know, having such respect for him and really admiring the mission of the organization. It gave me an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. And very quickly upon my research, I really started organizing notes and saying, okay, whoever takes this position should start doing this. And then the next natural step for the organization would be to do that. And my thinking transitioned pretty quickly to, okay, when I am with the organization, I'll do this and I'll do that. And so what I've always looked for in my career is an opportunity to take the experience that I've had and serve people in a unique way. And so I've been incredibly fortunate to sort of You know, I feel like my experience is sort of like a bouquet. I'm a big flower person. And Mm -hmm. so I think about over time, I've really been a part of these beautiful organizations that have given me unique opportunities. And stepping into this role with someone like Rob, who operates with such integrity, that has such great experience, researching and realizing we really should have something like this in southwest florida it's astounding that we didn't until this existed not not exactly like this yeah. it, it was an opportunity for me to use all of my past experience and and pour it into an organization that was just starting so it's been incredibly gratifying it's also incredibly humbling to work with the team that we've assembled we have top-notch professionals who are absolutely exceptional in the way that they work and the compassion that they give to our students and to our families. I go to work every day with a smile on my face and a lot of motivation to keep doing um, better and better and better for the community we serve.
0: Wonderful. Well, Jen Clark, Executive Director of the Southwest Florida Music Education Center, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And for everything that you do, because none of the great things that happen here would happen without the work that you do.
1: Well, I'm a part of a team that is really wonderful, and I'm I'm grateful for the small part that I play in that.
0: All right. And and if folks want more information or or want to get in touch or maybe seeing about enrolling themselves, what's the best first step?
1: The best first step would be to visit our website at www.swflmusic.org. So it's southwestfloridamusic.org.
0: Perfect. Well, if you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in their entirety on our website, wgcu.org slash GCL, or subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director is Richard Chenqui. kui Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm John Davis. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM, NPR for Southwest Florida.